Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. This is ND Insider's Pot of Gold. Now, with all things Notre Dame football, here's Tom Noy, Mike Berardino, and Austin Huff. Welcome to another edition of Pot of Gold Podcast, guys. We are just 48 hours away from the start of fall camp. Of course, Notre Dame gets to start a week earlier than everybody else because of their week zero game in Ireland. And there is a reminder that NDInsider.com has a week-long rollout of position previews, player and coach profiles, schedule analysis, and everything you need to get ready for the start of training camp Wednesday, July 26th. Guys, Marcus Freeman entering his second full season in charge. Tom, you talked in your column about how Freeman has learned that a lot of losses aren't catastrophic like the Marshall one. Well, not losses per se, but just anything college football. If Justin Scott goes to Ohio State, commits to Ohio State, catastrophic on the outside, maybe not catastrophic on the inside. Logan Diggs decides after spring practice, hey, I want to go to LSU. Catastrophic from a running back position, fans may think. Not so in, within the building. So Marcus Freeman has learned that, that it may seem like a big deal on the outside of the program. It can't be a big deal on the inside of the program if they want to get to where they need to get to this season, back to the college football playoff and beyond. And, Mike, Marcus Freeman has spent some time talking to former New Orleans Saints head coach Sean Payton, now current Denver Broncos head coach. What was that conversation like? Well, it was pretty interesting when Tom and I sat with Marcus in his office uh, this summer. One of the stories that I enjoyed the most was just his, his time with, with Sean Payton. It was supposed to be a limited visit. It turned out to be an hour and a half. And I got the sense that if he could have stayed there a couple of days, he would have because it, Sean Payton just downloaded so much information to him. This guy's been an NFL coach for 15 years. Uh, Super Bowl champion. One of the big takeaways from Marcus was just in terms of messaging. Sean Payton, you know, after all these years, you'd think he'd kind of have it down, but he says sometimes he'll change his message to the team 20 minutes before he addresses them. One of the things that he talked about with Marcus was that he was trying to formulate his message on the gambling policy in the NFL. That could be an issue at any stage for anyone. And rather than tell his current team what they can't do, he just tells them very narrowly what they can do. And I, I got a sense that Marcus Freeman who is always so intentional and thoughtful about the way he addresses us, the way he addresses the team, the way he coaches up the coaches, is going to continue to refine that in his second full season. Well, one good thing for Marcus Freeman in his second full season, the quarterback position may be figured out. Shiny new transfer quarterback Sam Hartman coming in from Wake Forest. Guys, what are you expecting to see in this month leading up to the opener in Dublin? From Sam Hartman? From Sam not Hartman. a whole heck of a lot because we know it's Sam Hartman's job. He's not going into camp having to prove himself, having to win the job, having to make all kinds of throws and, and wow everybody. Get Sam Hartman through training camp because he's done this dance before, thrown for so many yards, thrown for 110 touchdowns, been around the game now for this is his sixth season. So you don't need Sam Hartman to wow everybody in training camp. Kind of just refine what he does maybe pick out a receiver or two that he get, can get confident in once the season starts. But the real test for Sam Hartman and the real proof of Sam Hartman will be starting with the Navy game in Ireland. Mike, you talked to some all-time greats uh, throughout Notre Dame history. What are their thoughts on their new starting quarterback? 
Well, and specifically, Matt, I asked him about what it would be like to go back in time and be 24 years old playing against college players who might be 18 and out there starting. And obviously, they all kind of like that concept. That's what Sam Hartman's going to get to do this year because he's going to turn 24 three days into his first training camp, his only training camp with Notre Dame. Um, what does that mean in the big picture? Well, it means that he's been there and done that. Pretty much everything has come at him in the college level. But obviously at Notre Dame, it's another sh uh, shade, another level, and certainly the scrutiny will be there. He's got a, a lot on the table this year that, uh, in terms of a potential run at a Heisman Trophy, a potential run at a national championship, and of course the career passing yardage list, he's going to be climbing that. But really it's about winning on that national stage. And, and Steve Berline said he came away, the former Notre Dame quarterback, he knows what it's like. He said one of the things that, that Hartman just offered up right out of the shoot was, you know, people think I'm going on 30 years old, you know, and, and even if, because he's, you know, 24 in this stage, he's not uh, Stetson Bennett. Stetson Bennett won back-to-back -back <laughs> championships, you know, 24 and 25. Uh, chronological age, not a bad thing in the modern game. Sam Hartman is also going to leave college with a degree, hopefully. Now, one of the partnerships that a lot of fans were hoping they would see but not really expecting was Sam Hartman to Michael Mayer. Michael Mayer, the former tight end, obviously drafted by the Vegas Raiders. So, guys, who's your pick to now take over the reception in, in the tight end group? I'd say to be determined. Like, there's not one tight end on this roster where you point to and say, nobody, nobody on this roster is going to be Michael Mayer, whoever it is. Mitchell Evans, Kevin Bauman, Holden Stays, Eli Reardon, who Mike wrote about earlier this week. They're not going to be Michael Mayer. Michael Mayers don't come along every two or three years. He's a very unique individual. NFL draft pick will have a long NFL career. So I'd say maybe Mitchell Evans because he's been around the longest. Kevin Bauman's been hurt. Holden Stays played in 11 games last year, but he only made one catch. So it's not you, you can't look at a guy as training camp starts on Wednesday and say that's going to be the guy that replaces Michael Mayer. It has to be a collective effort. And then maybe as camp goes further and deeper and deeper and maybe as the season goes deeper, one of those guys emerges to where Sam Hartman feels comfortable with him, Jared Parker feels comfortable with him, and he's going to be the guy that, that maybe gets the ball in some of the tight situations that we saw Michael Mayer do. So, Mike, let's talk about the receivers then for a second, not just the tight ends, because there's a lot of new guys, a lot of guys that fans think are going to be really good. Who's Chancey Stuckey been saying has been really standing out so far? Who does he think could have the potential to stand out? Well, obviously, he's excited, Matt, about having uh, more depth in that room, and, and it doesn't matter if it's young depth, older depth. It's a lot of guys pushing each other. But the two names that he mentioned to me when we spoke in recent days was Tobias Merriweather. Fans would be happy to hear about that. He thought Tobias, over the past uh, since we last saw him in the spring game, has added more, even more strength in his off-season workouts, and he's shown leadership in that group um, and just organizing the, the, the off-season workouts among his group. So he's looking for something bigger from Tobias. Uh, and he said, you know, Jaden Thomas certainly shouldn't be overlooked. He's Mr. Reliable. And he said uh, that uh, um, Matt Bayless, uh, who's been around a lot, you know, all these guys through the years, says Jaden Thomas is one of the strongest receivers he's ever dealt with. So, you know, already a big-bodied guy who is really tough to, to handle around in short area is even stronger. So the transfer portal sticking out its ugly head once again after the spring game. Losing Logan Diggs to the transfer portal, Notre Dame did, but they added a healthy Dejarian Price and Penn State transfer Devin Ford to the backfield mix. And that includes Jabron Payne along with the leading rusher, Audric Estime. So guys, what do you expect out of the running game this season from Notre Dame? When you have Sam Hartman at quarterback, have just all you need is a solid running game. You don't need Audric Estime and last year, 
Logan Diggs both challenged in a run for 1,000 yards. I think Estime will be the main back. And then after that remains to be seen. Jadarian Price, yeah, he's, he's quote healthy and quote 100%, but coming back from the Achilles injury, that's usually another year until he gets his burst and gets his wiggle and gets confident. Like he'll play and he may, he may see a lot of time in training camp, but we still don't know about uh, what, what he's going to be able to do. Devin Ford, that's a big ask when you're coming from Penn State and saying, all right, pick up this offense, let's go. You're going to get a, you're going to get a key carry on third down. I think the one guy that you're going to have to watch out of that running back room early in preseason camp will be where Jeremiah Love fits in. Like, Audric Estime will probably run for 1,000 yards, but he's going to need somebody to spell him. That might be a true freshman this season. All right, Mike, I got a curveball right down the middle, an easy one for you. Is there no point in bringing Chris Tyree back from the receiver position into the running back room? Leave him there? As presently constituted, uh, you know, good Lord willing, (laughs) it would seem like Chris Tyree has made that full transition. But when we met with him in the spring, you know, he still has the little placard that says wide receiver slash running back or maybe the opposite. And he's still listed that way on the roster for what it's worth. But his reps almost certainly will come because he's got a lot of uh, uh, rust to, sc- to scrape off in terms of those and just new skills that he's learning about how to show that wiggle that Tom, that, that was very football-y there. That you, you like that. <laughs> Not bad for a basketball guy. No, he's really coming in here with all the football-y <laughs> stuff. But uh, certainly uh, gaining separation will be no problem once he uh, beats the press. But uh, I do think they were so happy with what Chris Tyree was able to do, and that'll carry over. So uh, all those names that Tom listed in the running back room, uh, some of them were really, you know, we don't, we've never seen them before out on the mm-hmm. practice field. It'll be interesting to see how they look physically. Uh, but, uh, you know, some, some guys that can take it to the house uh, that were mentioned, especially Devin Ford, by the way, you know, w- puts it right there on his Twitter. He's, his nickname Tsunami. And I just think that that's, <laughs> I'll be interested to see what the Tsunami uh, can do. So let's talk about the other side of the ball now. The defense, starting on that defensive line. Uh, Isaiah Foskey off to the New Orleans Saints, being drafted, breaking Justin Tuck's career sack record here at Notre Dame last season. So, guys, where does the pass rush come from this season? That's probably the best question as they head into fall camp. Like, where are you going to get the production that Isaiah Foskey had? Like you said, Matt, all-time leading sack leader. It has to be Jordan. It has to be Jordan Battelle. Like, you have to get something from him and also maybe Junior Tui Halamaka behind Batello in a depth chart. That Viper position, whoever it is, has to generate the pass rush, and then you get a little of this and a little of that along the defensive line. But if there is one question mark for this football team heading into fall, it's got to be along that interior defensive line because they don't have that one guy that you can pencil in for double-digit sacks or double-digit quarterback hurries or tackles or this or that. A lot of guys, but a lot of unproven guys early. All right, so I got another curveball. Whoever wants this one, one of the big incoming transfers, at least in the early offseason, was from Ohio State, Javante John Baptiste. What kind of role does he play in this defensive line? Who wants it? Well, I'll take it. I mean, it's, it's interesting that already it seemed like he's added weight, he told us in the spring, and that you could see it. Um, you know, he's, he's versatile enough now to move more inside, maybe, maybe the big end, defensive end. I don't know that you'll see him on the interior too much, but not as, no, he's not going to be that quick guy coming off the edge as a Viper. But still, I, I would say that that leads me to think there's going to need to be interior pressure. Howard Cross the third is a guy who's pretty slippery. In fact, the first <laughs> big sack, I believe the first sack of last year at Ohio State was Howard Cross the third coming right up the gut. Uh, they're going to need to have uh, pressure from, uh, without having the blitz, 
without having to send extra guys, uh, which was a, a problem even last year with Foskey. You know, the metrics didn't think Notre Dame, it did not make it look like a, a team that you could not pass protect against, uh, even with Foskey doing what he did. So, uh, yeah, I think, I think Jean-Baptiste is going to be a versatile piece, a chess piece that they can move around for Al Washington's group. But other guys, some, some non-traditional uh, guys may have to add the, the uh, pressure. All right, so let's talk about farther back in the defense, the secondary. Ben Morrison, the freshman, six interceptions last year. He's a chance to make a similar impact on that side of the ball with transfers and freshmen. Who has a better chance of making <sighs> an impact on that side of the ball? Again, TBD, but if I had to pick one guy, let's go with Christian Gray. He looked the part early in spring. He never, he never did participate in spring because of a, a knee injury that set him on the shelf for the entire workout session. But before spring... He talked like a guy who had already been around the college football block. He talked more like a junior or a, a fourth-year senior than a true freshman. So we saw it from Ben. Ben Morrison came out of nowhere last year. Let's see if Christian Gray can do the same thing. So, Mike, another curveball for you. I'm going to keep throwing these to you. Mike gets all the curveballs. I get the fastball. <laughs> waiting for this thing to buzz so it can be like Jose Altuve. <laughs> Somebody's got to bang a garbage can over there. That's right. <laughs> All right, linebacker position. We feel confident about them. A lot of experienced guys coming back for Notre Dame this year. Well, certainly, uh, you know, J.D. Bertrand, if he can avoid uh, targeting penalties, you know what you're getting there. Uh, but those are, you know, quite randomly called, as we wrote about last year. But uh, Jack Kaiser, back healthy, you know what you're getting there. But you also, they used him, they pushed him inside a little bit. Maris Leah Fowl, you know, those three guys I just named have a tremendous amount of experience. But we're most interested to see, I would think, and, and the fan base for sure, is where's Jalen Sneed fit in all of this? Because you got a little taste of it. He actually came in and, and addressed the media after the spring game. He, you know, the one play that really stood out for me was when he chased down the aforementioned Chris Tyree, nicknamed Jet. And when you can chase down the Jet as a, as a rover, and, and Sneed played all over the place when he was in high school down in Hilton Head. This is a, you talk about a chess piece, this is something they're going to look to deploy. Nolan Ziegler, another guy, uh, especially in special teams, who I think is going to kind of inherit. Even Bo Bauer himself suggested that was his guy to inherit that, uh, that, that maniacal role of a, of a linebacker just causing havoc. All right, so I'm going to ask for one player from each of you, breakout performer on defense, and why? Can I just repeat everything that Mike just said? I'm yeah, going to go with yeah. Jalen Sneed because you have, those, you have those veteran linebackers in J.D. Bertrand, Jack Kaiser, and Maris Leofowl, but they've been, they were on the field way too many snaps last year. You need a, they need some sort of change-up guy, some guy that's going to come in and still produce tackles, hurries, this, that, cause some havoc. I'm going to go with Jalen Sneed for that as the breakout player on defense in 2023. Mike? Well, I was going to use Ziegler, and I already played the card. So I'm, I'm going to go back. I'm going to say uh, Thomas Harper's a guy that we, we haven't seen Antonio Carter yet, the, the guy who came in from Rhode Island, but we, and we haven't seen Thomas Harper really uh, from Oklahoma State. Mm -hmm. But here's a guy with a lot of meaningful snaps against big-time passing offenses in the, in the Big 12, and he, he's got the, uh, the uh, versatility to play in the slot corner. He could take over what Tariq Bracey held down awfully well for a couple of years, several years, uh, and also can back up and be extra help in safety if anything should happen to Xavier Watts, Ramon Henderson. You know, so I think that Thomas Harper, a healthy Thomas Harper, he's coming off shoulder surgery, goes back to last November, um, is a guy that they, they're going to depend on. Now let's talk about health, because obviously Notre Dame had some issues with that last year, especially in the quarterback position, and we all know that you lose a quarterback and it can throw your whole season into a whirlwind. So we can all agree that Sam Hartman is one player that Notre Dame cannot afford to lose for any stretch on offense 
Is there a player in that same position for defense for Notre Dame this year? There's always a player. We can always – and if there's not, let's just manufacture one, <laughs> right? I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to probably make some of the people in the fan base unhappy and say Ooh. the one guy defensively they cannot afford to lose just because of everything that he knows, the experience that he brings, the, the, just the way he plays would be J.D. Bertrand where it's just it just seems like, okay, he doesn't do this, he doesn't do this, or he doesn't do that, he's not fast, he doesn't – he knows the defense probably better than anybody and is kind of like the glue that holds that whole unit together. So they've got a lot of talented linebackers, but as long as he can keep the targeting penalties down and stay in football games, I think J.D. Bertrand is a real good piece to this defense, the way it's constructed under Al Gold. So I'm going with J.D. Bertrand. Mike, you got anybody? Sure. Yeah, Tom's <laughs> right. You could go down a list. <laughs> right. I, I think it's a good time to talk about Cam Hart. We haven't mentioned him yet. And here's a guy mm-hmm. we saw. We don't have to go back too far to see what the defense looks like without him at the opposite corner from Ben Morrison. One reason Ben Morrison was able to make all those plays last year is people were throwing away from Cam Hart, I'd say. The metrics would suggest that he did his job very well. He's got more than 1,300 defensive snaps in the past two years. But when he was hurt most recently, guys had a lot of trouble with his shoulder over the years. Uh, he missed that USC game. He misses well both USC games, South Carolina and Southern Cal. You know, and, and a couple of pick six uh, returns skew it a little bit uh, in the bowl game. But that's two 38-point uh, situations. So uh, Cam Hart says he's a first rounder that the nation is sleeping on. He's going to show it this year. And uh, this is a guy that uh, he certainly has a lot on the line. But Notre Dame doesn't want to have to take such an experienced cornerback and, and fill in. With, even though Jaden Mickey's made a lot of progress. He also had a lot of growing pains in year one, and, and Christian Gray's got a lot of learning to do as well. I'd, I'd, I'd go with Cam Hart. Just like UT, there is only one USC, and it goes to Southern California, South Carolina, sorry. I worked in Augusta. South Carolina. <laughs> I worked in Augusta long enough that I know that's, you know, that's a point of contention. For South me. Carolina can't even claim Carolina. That belongs to the Tar Heels. You are just South Carolina. We are joined now by Austin Huff, the newest member of the South Bend Tribune sports team. That's Welcome me. along. That's me. That What's is up? you. How we doing, y'all? <laughs> so you got a chance to break down the Notre Dame schedule for this fall for NDInsider.com. Austin, we had some bad losses last year, so we have to ask the question, what are the biggest trap games on the schedule for Notre Dame? What opponents are going to give them issues? Some bad games, which is not a good thing to say because that means there was more than one. There's two of them. Uh, <laughs> after the trap game this year, I think it's a pretty obvious pick is Duke. Uh, right after the Ohio State game, right? Uh, it's a true road game going to Durham. I know Duke football doesn't have the best atmosphere compared to Duke basketball, but Duke's got everyone back, man. Riley Leonard, the quarterback last year, he threw for almost 3,000 yards, rushed for like another 1,000, like 35, 40 total touchdowns, somewhere around that ballpark. Like, dynamic player, and he's coming back. They had a lot of built-up momentum last year, Duke. Went 9-4, and four, won the Military Bowl. September 30th, right after you play Ohio State, big high, especially if Notre Dame can somehow beat Ohio State. Like, that could easily be a downfall, emotional down, you know, after that. So, I think Duke's uh, the, the trap game, so to say, this year. So last year, Notre Dame did play against a Heisman winner in Caleb Williams. Who yeah. are some of the best individuals that they're going to play this year? Well, guess what? They play Caleb Williams again this year. <laughs> USC, comes to, USC comes to town uh, October 14th. Mark your calendars. Uh, but obviously, you know, when you look at the big three games that they play this year, right? They got Ohio State, USC, Clemson. All three of those teams have incredible players. Ohio State led by the two best 
Uh, arguably maybe the best wide receiver tandem in the country this year, upcoming Marvin Harrison Jr. and Emeke Ibuka. I hope I said that right. Uh, two 1,100-yard-plus two receivers, 10-plus touchdowns last year. And then Will Shipley, uh, Clemson, the running back, former Notre Dame commit. It's kind of a big deal when he didn't uh, sign with Notre Dame and signed with uh, Clemson instead. But he had 1,200 yards rushing last year and 15 touchdowns. So, uh, I mean, all four of those guys, Caleb Williams included, could easily uh, – you know, be in the Heisman race. Obviously, Caleb Williams will be. He's the defending Heisman champion, that, yeah, defensive Heisman Trophy winner. And uh, so you can see the other guys, if they have great seasons, they could sneak into that conversation as well. All right, Austin, since you're the new guy, kind of throw you a curveball as oh, well. Oh, God. Two big primetime games at Notre Dame Stadium this year, USC yep. and Ohio State. Yep. Which one's the better game? Which one is the better atmosphere between the two? Um, well, the atmosphere could be interesting as uh, no offense to Notre Dame Stadium, but in the last couple of years, teams have been able to kind of come in here and make some noise. Cincinnati a couple of years ago, Georgia, obviously 2017. Ohio State might bring a lot of people, y'all. It might be a 50-50 split, maybe 60-40 Notre Dame. That could be for a very interesting atmosphere, very electric atmosphere, a lot of charged up fans. Um, I think that... You, it's hard to pick against USC being a better game. It's a rivalry game. Caleb Williams is so electric and exciting. Um, I, I don't want to be a cop-out here and say they're both going to be really interesting and good atmospheres. That would be a cop-out. That would be a cop-out. <laughs> Thank you, Mike. Appreciate it. Uh, but um, I think the better game could be Ohio State just because it'll still be early enough. And Notre Dame, hopefully, and for a lot of people, will be 4-0. Ohio State should be unbeaten going into top 10. and Probably college game day will be there. Like, feels like that's going to be a bigger one. By mid-October, we might have a better idea of what this Notre Dame team is and maybe USC, too. So I'm going to go Ohio State by a, by a hair just because of the schedule timing. All right, Mike. One more curveball for you. There you, there you go. Yeah. We hear from the fan aspect of, you know, the games that they're most excited for. Obviously, the two primetime games high on the list for everybody. From a sports writer standpoint, storylines, matchups, what games are you looking forward to this year? All of them, Matt. <laughs> Good all answer. Of, all, all of them. You can't, I would like yeah. to know the cop-out card that you just no. Yeah, I was going to say no. the cop-out thing. It no. just got, uh, that no, was, that was rude to call if, a cop-out on me. <laughs> well, get, get used to it, Tom. Uh, so if, if, if you're going to. This is why they stick me in the middle. If yeah. you're going to agree that, that uh, one of the problems with Marshall, the loss to Marshall, was that you know, all games need to be treated equally and created equally, then I'm going to come at it the same way. I'm going to bring it every time. Uh, we, Austin did a great job breaking down uh, what's ahead this season and, and where the potential traps are. I'm a little surprised that we haven't talked about NC State at all. I'm a North Carolina guy. But playing at NC State, a couple of things that, that – uh, and uh, just the timing where that slots in mm -hmm. because Notre Dame is going to be coming back from Dublin the previous week and go right into Tennessee State. That's going to feel like a bye week, but they're still going to have to play this historically black college and university. Eddie George's team, they're going to be favored by 40. They should win by 50. But then where, no bye in that stretch until they get all the way past uh, USC. USC. Yeah, they, they play seven there's, straight there's games. There's two byes on that schedule, but they're, they're backloaded. So the NC State one jumps out at me because Brennan Armstrong's a guy who can do a lot of things, and he's transferred in there, and he's got his former offensive coordinator at Virginia – uh, Robert and I, who had been at Syracuse, Notre Dame, people saw him last year with a gimpy, uh, uh, the, the big guy, um, <laughs> Garrett Schrader. 
Um, but now he's got he's back with a guy who put up big big numbers when they were a tandem. And at NC State's going to be loud and crazy. Mm -hmm. They do this thing in the Wolfpack howl. You're going to hear that a lot. <laughs> and uh, Notre Dame just it's just hard to imagine that you could have that kind of quick turnaround coming back from Dublin without a clunker in there somewhere. The difference this year is going to have to be if you're going to make it all the way to Ohio State and make that mean what it should, you're going to have to avoid having that, that, that off game that, that maybe you're trailing at halftime. You're going to have to avoid letting that be the, the, yeah. the thing that trips up your of, season. Of their first four games, that is definitely the trickiest one of the four because Navy should, in theory, you know, be a win, and obviously Tennessee State, and then Central Michigan after the NC State game. Another sneaky game could be Louisville. Uh, first weekend of October, uh, right after the Duke game, so they're going to play two high-level teams, Ohio State and Duke back-to-back. -back. Louisville, Jeff Brom, new head coach, uh, Jack Plummer, the former Purdue quarterback. A lot of Purdue love going on there in Louisville right now, but, you know, what are they going to look like? You know, Jeff Brom's teams can be, uh, uh, you know, they, they're tended pull-ups at some time to time. Everyone remembers that Ohio State game when they killed them by about 100 points a couple years ago uh, in uh, Purdue or West Lafayette. Um, the ACC schedule, like you know, it's on and off sometimes for Notre Dame. This year, it's kind of a kind of a tougher one. With Duke is could, could be tricky. At Louisville could be tricky. Like Mike said, NC State could be tricky. Uh, Clemson, you know, is coming again. You play Clemson again for the fifth time in six years now. Um, there's some interesting ACC games in there that they could uh, that could trip them up for sure. Well, that does it for another edition of Pot of Gold podcast for Tom Noy, Austin Huff, and Mike Berardino. I'm Matt Locke. Thank you for watching. A reminder. Check out South Bend Tribune's Notre Dame coverage all season at ndinsider.com. We'll be right back here soon for more Pot of Gold. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.